0: Romans, first chapter, first verse seven verses. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, Father, we just ask what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and who we are not make us. For Christ's sake and in his name we pray. Amen. So we're still working our way through uh, Paul's greeting in the First seven verses of, of Romans, uh, just just kind of catch us to where we're at today. Paul, a bondservant, and, and we looked at that uh, one pretty much one whole sermon uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, the The word was literally a slave. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, uh, knowing that Paul was bought. He was he was purchased. He was owned and ruled by Jesus Christ. As is. Every born-again believer, uh, everyone who is born again, we were bought at a price. Uh, that's 1 Corinthians 6.20. For you were bought at a price. And we talked about that even as we sang this morning. What was the price? It was, it was uh, the life of, of Jesus Christ given upon the cross. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The price of our redemption was Christ, Ephesians 1, verse 7. Uh, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. We were redeemed, we were purchased by the blood of Jesus, by His sacrifice upon the cross. And in this life, I've talked about it many times, there are only two categories of people on the face of this earth. It is the redeemed and the unredeemed. It is the believers, it is the unbelievers, if you want to say it that way. It is those who are slaves of Christ, and those who are yet slaves of sin and death. Jesus said in Matthew uh, 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God, and mammon. There will, you will only have one master to which you will obey. In Romans 6, verse 16, Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. One or the other. Everyone is in one of these categories. Either a slave of sin leading to death or a slave of righteousness. There is no middle ground. Either a slave of sin, which we all either still are or were by our natural birth, or we are a slave of righteousness, which is brought by our new birth, by having been born again. So Paul says that he is a bondservant, a slave of Jesus Christ, and then separated or set apart for the gospel of God. We looked at uh, Galatians 1, verses 15 and 16 in talking about that. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, uh, the ESV will read, who set me apart before I was born and called me through His grace to reveal His Son to me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, That's why he came. That's why he came, to preach to the Gentiles. Paul set apart from before he was born to preach among the Gentiles. See, God had a plan for Paul, didn't he? And and this plan started when? Before he was born. Before he was born. God set Paul apart to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, which he promised, which God promised before through his, through God's prophets, in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our lord who was born of the seed of david according to the flesh see the gospel of god that paul had been separated to is the fulfillment of old testament prophecies that had been revealed through his through god's prophets in the holy scriptures so what god was preparing and promising and fulfilling in the coming of Jesus through, through, through God's prophets in the Holy Scriptures, holy inspired words. And I, so I hope we always know that. What is this? It's the Bible. But deeper than that, what is this? This is God's. Word to us. Don't ever let someone try to tell you, oh, that's just words written down by men. Yes, it was written down by men, but inspired by Holy Spirit, inspired by God that they would speak with the authority that God had given them that they would be the voice piece, the pen to write down what He is telling to to write down so that we might have the voice of God, you see. So there's God, and, he's, and, and there's a promise that, that God wills to make, and, and then there are prophets through whom, and, and again, it's not by whom, see, there's a difference in there. Through whom, It's God Himself. God's remaining the speaker. He speaks His promise. And then these words are holy in the Holy Scriptures. Why do we call them holy? Because it is God who is speaking. Why do we call this? It says on here, Holy Bible. Why do we call it holy? God is speaking. It is His words. It is holy because God is speaking which he, which God promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, God promised in the Scriptures. God is speaking in the Scriptures, and that makes them holy. And now here's Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, speaking and writing with authority on Christ's behalf, if I could say as or like or similar to the prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, Ephesians 2 Uh, Verse 20, in in the founding, and being a founder of the church. Uh, What's it say? In Ephesians 2.20, having been built on the foundation of who? The apostles and prophets, because they wrote down the words of God that were given to them so that we might have truth. And who is the chief cornerstone of all this? Jesus Christ Himself. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. You see, it's all God's plan. It's him. And I want us to go back and read uh, the first four verses uh, of, of Romans 1 again. And, and don't, I, I, ho- I hope as we go through this, because when, when I was first looking at doing this series, and I got uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones' uh, commentary on the book of Romans and its volumes, and and I took the first volume, and and almost the first, first volume of that the first book is these verses, and I looked at it and I and I and I was like, how can you go on about this for so long? But I'm I'm see I'm beginning to understand why. See I'm I'm beginning to understand why. See, see I hope you know that that. There's so much that Paul lays down in these first seven verses that if we can get a grip on them and at least a partial understanding of them, it's almost like he's giving us an, an outline of the whole book of Romans within these first several verses. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he, which God, promised before through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, these Old Testament promises of God written down by the prophets were concerning His Son. The Bible, from beginning to end, is concerning God's Son. Never forget that. From beginning to end, the Bible is about the Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now, now I'm going to get very basic and very elementary here for a moment. The Son of God existed Before he became a human being. Before he was born on this earth of the seed of David. He existed. And some of you are sitting here going, we know that. But let me tell you, there are those false religions and cults that teach otherwise. Understand that. This is foundational. So never, never be deceived. May we be firmly rooted and grounded in truth so that when someone may come to us with their own translation so that they could read the verse I'm getting ready to read and it won't read like what I'm getting ready to how I'm getting ready to read it from the New King James Version. So, so, so I say that, though it is it's very simple and basic that, that we've heard all oh, may we never forget and may we never be deceived in John 1 first 3 verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let me pause. Who's the Word? Jesus Christ. He, the Word, Christ, was in the beginning with God, all things. All things were made through him. Through who? Through the Word, through Jesus Christ. And without him, the Word, Christ, nothing was made that was made. Jesus Christ is the eternal Word. He he existed in the beginning not because he was a created being, but because he is eternal. Don't don't ever be deceived. Because they will try to tell you he was a created being just as the angels. No. No. Eternal. He was not created, he is the creator. Eternal. No beginning, no end. He was with God and he is God. No beginning and no ending. We can't fathom that, can we? we how, how can we fathom n- no beginning, no end? And, and I've had conversations with people. Well, I don't believe in God. Uh, where, where'd all this come from? Well, it just, it just big bang. It just happened. Well, wait a minute. What banged? What, what made the big bang? What was it that, that exploded? Well, it was just there. But but when did it start? What was its beginning? Well, well, it, 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 it you know, and then they'll stumble around because re- unbelievers have to take it to a first cause, don't they? They have to, they have to take it back somewhere they where they will say there was something. And I say, oh, that's your God. That ooze, that goo, that lump of whatever that was out there. That's your God because that's. Your first cause. But mine, but mine, but mine is the God of this. This is my first cause. God eternal. No beginning, no ending. That, that's my first cause. And here is Christ, not created because He is the Creator. Nothing, nothing, nothing was made with, without Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Christ our Creator. And in talking of the preeminence of Christ, Paul wrote this in in Colossians 1, verse 17. And He is before all things. And in Him all things consist. All things are held together. We've talked about that. All things are held together by His power. By His power. So, So Paul says that the gospel of God concerns God's Son... And it has to do with the divine, pre-existent, pre-eminent Son of God, forever, forever, eternal. Now, let me read it, uh, John Piper. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a lot of what you're hearing today was gleaned from his sermon, in particular. You know, I I sat down, I read Stott, I read Jones, I read MacArthur, I read. Uh, Morris, uh, you name it, I read through it. Piper put it in a way that I could see it better. And hopefully this will, this, this will help you see perhaps better. Uh, John Piper, quote, The gospel of God is not about God arranging human affairs in a better way. It is about God penetrating human affairs from outside in the person of a Son who is the perfect image of the Father and is Himself God. So Paul puts a huge weight on the gospel of God by saying, first, that it is promised, planned by God long before it happened, and second, that it concerns his divine son, the sovereign creator of the universe, has planned good things, good news for the world, and at the center of this plan is his son. End quote. Now, now for me, that that put it God had a plan, always had a plan, and it always was concerning his son. I like how he put that. God wasn't a raging thing. He wasn't just trying to make things better. It's about God penetrating human affairs and how did He penetrate human affairs? By having His Son to be born of the seed of David according to the flesh. That's how Christ penetrated our earth. That's how Christ came to earth. Jesus was born. God did not choose a man Put the Spirit in that man to make him the Christ. There are those who teach that. Don't be deceived there. No. God didn't take a man, put the Holy Spirit in him, and made him Christ. No. When, when was Christ? When, when was Jesus? From the beginning. From the beginning. Eternal. Eternal. God chose to make His eternal one and only Son to be born... Born of a virgin, not of a human father, but by the Spirit, the seed was, was placed in Mary. Why? 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 <laughs> Six had a song that I always thought was interesting. What a, what a strange way to save the world. And it was a great little song, and because how can we comprehend all this? The God... You no know, you know we sing we we sing our, our opening song. Uh, light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. Uh, he came to the world he created. How can we fathom that? because because we know a bit of of how big the universe is, of how big everything is. it's 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 trillions of light years. it's it's beyond comprehension of how big all this is and to think that God spoke it into existence by His Word. How big is God? How tiny a speck is Earth and how even tinier microscopic speck are we on this planet? You see? But God chose to make His eternal one and only Son to be born on this earth that He created. Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, and and let me pause there for a minute, you understand what it's talking about. This is talking about Him being born in a manger, talking about Him being born as a babe, is uh, I always wonder how to best say this you know he, he came to this earth and and for a time his, his glory was how do I say it restrained suppressed uh, where we couldn't because we couldn't see the full glory of God it was veiled there. That's the word. It was veiled. And, and then th- through time, it, it seems it began to start being unveiled. When, when he was in the temple and, and, and uh, talking with the elders, and, and they were amazed. So it seemed like perhaps a little bit was, was opened. Uh, we, we don't know a lot, a lot about a lot of those years as, as he was growing up and becoming a man. But, but, but we know at one point, John the Baptist, here's John the Baptist, and here comes Jesus, and he's baptized. And at that moment, what happens? So said the Spirit of God ascends upon him. And this is just me. I didn't have this in here. I thought about it. But it seems to me that after that, after he went for 40 40, uh, Days to be in the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil. What was the first thing that happened after that? The miracle. First miracle. The, the, the wedding feast. The water to wine. More unveiled, it seems. And again, that's just me. And, and it seems, then miracle and miracle and miracle. More. Why, why did he perform all the miracles? To reveal who he was. To, to give authoritative proof of who He was. Because even the Pharisees said, who could do such a thing but God? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. That's who this is. But they didn't believe it. And they crucified Him. But, but it seemed that more... And again, this is just me, and we could talk about it, but it just seems that, that more and more and more was unveiled until it came down to crucifixion, He humbled Himself. He humbled Himself, lay aside all so that He could be put on the cross. But then, in three days, resurrection power. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to leave this part out. Did I read all that? No. All right, let's go back and read it because this is good too. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. That's where I left off. Why? 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 Because it's talking about him coming to the earth, being born a babe and a major. Why? For the suffering of death. That's why he came. Crowned with glory and honor. Because that's what God the Father did. Crowned him with glory and honor. That he by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. And here it is again, still talking about it. Nothing was made that was made apart from him uh, for, for for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Let's go down a little further, verses 17 and 18 in Hebrews 2. Therefore, in all things, he, Christ, had to be made like his brethren. Why? That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He came to live as a man so that he might fully, that we might know that he can fully identify with us in our sufferings and our temptations because he went through those things. Uh, Let's go to chapter 4 in Hebrews, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. See, he's our example that we go to and we look to. And this is Christ. He came as a man so that he might identify, so that he might sympathize with our weaknesses. Uh, Let's read uh, Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation. See, this is Christ coming to earth, made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's Christ, that's Him coming. And why He came? To humble Himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Humble Himself, taking on flesh, taking on the very humanity that He had created. And He came through the line, the ancestry of David, according to Prophecy. Let's read a couple of verses. Uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Isaiah 11:1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And in verse 10 in Isaiah 11, and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. For the Gentiles shall seek him. Who did Paul come to preach the gospel to? The Gentiles. (laughs) And let's go ahead and read Isaiah 9, verses uh, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, (laughs) forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That's what the Lord has in store, you see. And John recorded the words of Jesus in, in Revelation twenty two sixteen. 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So is there any doubt? Is there any doubt? In, in Christ, the time of fulfillment had come. In Christ, the kingdom of God is at hand. In Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, Now, after John was put in prison, John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. (laughs) See, coming, the coming of the Son of God into the world was the coming of the Son of David, the promised king. Uh, Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, uh, the ESV reads, by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, now we, we must keep in mind that, that the Jewish people of the day expected the Messiah to come and do What? to set an earthly kingdom, to, to take over, to overthrow the Romans, to, to get them out of Roman oppression. They, they were expecting the, the Messiah come with power at that moment and, and political influence, that, that he would free them from oppression and establish an earthly kingdom in Jerusalem and live forever triumph triumphant with his people. But see, then Paul says in verse 4, what he is saying is that the son of David died. See, the resurrection from the dead, well, he died. and, and Now, wait a minute. Those, those who thought that Jesus was the, the Messiah was devastated. Now, think about this. Messiahs don't die. They live and they conquer and they rule. See, that's what they thought. They don't get arrested, they don't get beat up, they don't get mocked, they don't get crucified, and they don't leave their people destitute. See, that was the thought. And so for them, this this was absolutely devastating. Now, re- remember the the two men on the Emmaus Road. You remember the story, right? Let, let, let's go and read it. Let's, let's just go read it, just a few verses. Uh, this is in Luke 24, we're going to be in verse 13, be 13. We're going to go down through 21. Now, this is three days after the crucifixion, and this is the day, the day uh, resurrection had just happened. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. Well, what had just happened? Well, the crucifixion. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned that that Jesus himself drew near and went to them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. So I'm going to pause there for a minute because of what we talked about earlier. Perhaps the world's eyes were restrained. You know, with Christ in the manger. Perhaps the world's eyes were restrained. Because it talks about that here. Perhaps that's what happened uh, with Christ coming to the earth. I, I don't know. It's just a... But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said, and Jesus said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? (laughs) <laughs> then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? <laughs> Did you get the picture of this? Well, what, what are you, what's, where have you been? You've been under a rock somewhere? Don't you know what's happened? And then verse 19, And he said, and Jesus said to them, Well, what things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. We, we thought he was the one, but apparently. He wasn't. We thought He was the one that was going to come and straighten everything out. We we were hoping. See, many were hoping for an immediate earthly king and ruler, but that was not God's plan. This Jesus, this Messiah, came to the earth to bring about God's plan of redemption. And in this plan, Messiah had to die. Must give his life a ransom for sin. But this dead Messiah, Paul says in verse 4, was raised from the dead. Amen? He was raised from the dead. Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. How? By the means, by by what means? How how was he uh, declared to be the Son of God with power? By the resurrection from the dead by His resurrection from the dead. And here I want to read from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Quote, The Lord Jesus Christ was the Son of God before. He is always the Son of God. He was the Son of God before the Incarnation and from all eternity. Uh, You understand the word Incarnation, right? Uh, That's when He was born as a babe in the manger. That's the Incarnation. And... and, uh, Lloyd-Jones is saying he was always, always, always the Son of God. Where then is the variation? It is in the form which he assumes. And what we have been told in verse 3 is that when he came into the world, he did not come as the Son of God with power. Now, Stay with me here. He did not come as the Son of God with power. No, he came as a helpless babe. He was Son of God, yes, but not Son of God with power. In other words, when He came as a babe, the power of the Son of God was veiled in the flesh. But what the Apostle says is, what the Apostle Paul says is, that in the resurrection, He was declared to be the Son of God with power. It is there that we realize how powerful He is. End quote. See, the, see the, the, the key phrase here is with power. Uh, the, the point is that at the resurrection, Jesus Christ moved from being the Son of God in lowliness and human limitation and weakness to being the Son of God with power. Let me ask. Is the resurrection foundational to Christianity? Yes. And you may be sitting here going, I can't believe you even asked that. But again, there are many who teach and preach otherwise. That the resurrection is not essential to the gospel. But listen, listen. if Christ is not risen, there is no gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, let's read it. You know the verses I'm getting ready to read. Verses 14 through 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 19. If Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then also those who have fallen asleep those who have died in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. If Christ is not risen, our faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But understand this also. It's not just enough... To believe that Christ died for your sins, you must also believe in the resurrection. And some may hear that and go, oh, wait a minute. But, but listen, listen. It's not enough just to believe that Christ died for our sins. We must also believe in the resurrection. Because without the resurrection, what did I just read? faith is futile. You're still in your sins. To be saved, you must believe in the resurrection. Romans 10, just verse 9. We read this passage almost every Sunday. Do, uh, Do you catch it as we read it? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God, what? Read it. Has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. What's it say? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, the work of the cross, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, because it is in the power of the, the power of the resurrection that that Jesus has fully become, or is revealed, is unveiled as the Son of God. With power, if Christ is not risen, we have no hope for the future. Believing in the resurrection is foundational and it's fundamental. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Christ didn't rise, if in this if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men the most pitiable. But but Christ's resurrection is the guarantee of the future resurrection of His people. So if Christ is not risen, then this guarantee is worthless. You see how important the resurrection is? And, And Paul is setting this in his greeting. What did Peter say in 1 Peter 1, verse 3? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. And what's the basis for this living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the basis of our hope. That Christ has risen. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is our hope, and without the resurrection, we would have no hope for the future. But we have a hope, a blessed hope, because Christ indeed has risen. And Paul wrote this because talking about those who had died in the midst of this, because people back in that day they thought they thought the Lord was coming back that that and then people started dying and they went wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute when the the Messiah hadn't come the the Lord hadn't come yet and 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 this one died and that one died, and what's, what's happened to him? Well what, what's going on? Uh, they're, they're lost, they're lost. Peter wrote, or Paul wrote this, First Thessalonians 4 verse 13 and 14. First Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. In other words, those who have died. And I believe uh, more specifically, I, I think I could say those who have died in Christ lest you sorrow as others who, what, have no hope. You see, the child of God doesn't sorrow as the world sorrows. Because the world without Christ has no hope. But the child of God has hope, even in death. For if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who have died. And then at the close uh, of, of this little passage, uh, verse 18, uh, Paul said this Therefore, comfort yourself with these words. You see, there's comfort in times of death. There's a blessed hope that we will be with Christ. Paul said to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. And, and we also have this blessed hope that we will we'll see our, not, not just see the Lord, but also see friends and loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord, who have died in Christ. As true born-again believers, we have the sure expectation of a bodily resurrection. Our bodies will not stay in the grave. We will rise again as Christ did. See, one of the songs that, that, that Dusty and Kim brought to us uh, a couple of months ago now, the Lord is my salvation, uh, verse 5 of that song. I don't know if I can do this. And when I reach my final day, He will not leave me in the grave, but I will rise. He will call me home. The Lord is my salvation. Do the chorus. Who is like the Lord our God, strong to save, faithful in love. My debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. Go back to that verse 5. I like that. And when I reach my final day, he will not leave me in the grave. See, that's the hope for the child of God. That's not our final resting place. We're to be with the Lord, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So, child of God, we have a living hope. Uh, I want to read more from uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Can you bear to hear a little more? Here, Let's read. 1 Corinthians 15, go down to verse 51, because, man, here it puts it together. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, must put on incorruption. You understand, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's talking about this corruptible, this body that's going back to the dust of the earth, must put on incorruption, that which is coming, our new body, our new body. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death, is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, Hades, where is your victory? <laughs> the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. See, there's there's our blessed hope in Him. For the child of God, if you have this blessed hope, what's the word of the Lord to us? That that last verse, therefore, in light of knowing that you are born again, in light of knowing that you're being held and kept by the power of God, in light of knowing these things, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in in the work of the Lord. See, that's the message to us who believe. To be steadfast. Don't be be tossed by every wave of, of deception and deceit and falsehood that may come, and it will, and it will. But rather, be steadfast, be firm. Thanks be to God. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ? How about we sing another one? Oh victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. You see, that the children of God, we don't have to fear death. We, we don't have to worry and fear the grave because Jesus has taken away the sting of death. <laughs> and we have victory over death through Christ Jesus. Blessed hope that because Christ rose, we too will rise because of the power of the resurrection. and because of of the Son of God with power according to the Holy Spirit by His resurrection from the dead. Aren't you thankful for resurrection power? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks. Just hear the story again of Christ and of why He came and of what He did and of the power of the resurrection, and in knowing that we have this guarantee for every born-again believer that because Christ rose, we too will rise. That you will not leave us in the grave, but that we will be risen to perfection to live forevermore with you. So, Father, help us in the life that we all now live on this earth. Help us to be steadfast. Help us to be immovable. Help us to be firm upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Help us all, Lord, to have a hunger and thirst all the more for your word and your truth, that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work that you would place before us so that we might be thoroughly equipped to tell others of the reason for the hope that we have, that we might be thoroughly equipped for any falsehood and lie that may come our way. So, Father, you know what everyone in here is going to face this afternoon and this week. So, Lord, I I pray that in some way we have all been equipped even now in being reminded of, of who you are and of who we are through a risen Savior that we may be able to stand with the sword of the Spirit, with the shield of faith, and we may stand regardless of what comes our way. So Lord, if there would be one who is lost, who is yet part of the unredeemed, who is yet a slave to sin and death who is yet an unbeliever. I pray, Father, have mercy. Open their eyes that they may see truth. Open their eyes that they may see you. Open their eyes that they might know that this gospel of Jesus Christ that they've heard about is real and that they are in a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, open their eyes that they may see and go. And, and, and And by Your grace, grant them faith that they might believe and receive Christ, repenting of their sins and turning and follow You. So again, Lord, help me, help us all this week to be firmly grounded, to be immovable and abounding in Your love and in the good works that You have placed before us. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.